Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. That's good, isn't it? Next Sunday, that is. Chris just leaned over and said, is that next Sunday? I said, yep. So, so uh, come prepared. And all, when I say that, this is what I mean by that. Ask God. That, that's all I want you to do. Just go to God, pray, ask him what he wants to give you to give. Just give that. Don't feel any guilt, don't any pressure. Just, just give what God asks you to give and uh, we'll have exactly what we need. We'll have exactly the right money to pull off the next part of this, uh, our building and, uh, and you get a tax deduction as well, which is pretty helpful, huh? Hey, um, got a few people away, but I'll look at it this morning. Hey, must be the cold weather or something, keeping people, the sun's out or they're still in bed, one or the other. I know I had a nice sleep in yesterday morning. It was, uh, it was great. Um, can I just reiterate something that's already been said here this morning. I love this church and their serving heart. You know, there's so many people serving in ways that you never see. You know, you see the guys up on stage, they're great, they're, they're terrific, but they get congratulations all the time. Seriously, people go, oh, that, you sang great or you play great or whatever. And, and there's the people that don't, you don't see I'm most impressed with. The ones that are, uh, get here on Saturday and clean and clean the toilets and, and, and the ones that are, are mowing on Thursday like Ian, the ones that are painting things that get broken and repair them and, and uh, uh, you know, it's, it's those ones that impress me more. You know, it's the ones that you don't see like the, the, the guys that on, on Saturday when we do the market once a month that turn up and give away their Saturdays once a month to, to serve our community really and to serve our church in that process. Uh, they're the ones that really impress me because we don't see those. We, it's the ones that get out on the crèche. It's the ones that in kids ministry that we don't actually see all the time. Uh, and, and someone like Kevin Durant's one of those. He Just this week or last week he said to me, oh look we, we've got to do community carols this year and um, the church takes a turn each year. And uh, somehow it ended up back on my lap. And, uh, and, and it was basically, he, he came to me and said, oh, look, I can see you're a bit stressed with all this. How about I take it on? And it's just like, oh, my goodness. You don't know what that does to me because we, we have to do it. We've committed to it. And the plan sort of fell apart on the way through and then all of a sudden... Uh, you know, someone just goes with integrity and says, look, can I help you out? You see, church, I hope you get this. This isn't a place that you come to. Well, it is. You come here to get fed, of course. You come here to sit on the seats and do a service, a church service. Yes, but you know what? It's far, far more than that. If that's all you ever do, you're not actually stepping into being the body of Christ. You see, we are here to serve each other, to serve our community, to serve our God in a way that is far more than just coming on a Sunday morning and sitting on your backside. You see, it's the rest of the week, it's our life. To be a Christian 
isn't to do church once a week or once a month, whichever you, you end up doing. It's actually to be the church. It, it's, it's 24-7. It, it, it actually is to serve and build God's kingdom on this earth. And it's easy just to turn up on a Sunday, although some people might argue that. But I would say to you, if you want to be part of this church, if you want to feel part of this church, serve, serve, get involved, get on a team, lead a team, just do something, be, be a part of the body of Christ, get, get on the music team, the music and moves team, like amazing, every Friday, you know, those, those team, that team's out there serving our community, 60 or 70 families, you know, youth every Friday night, you know, just, just all the, the team and the interns and everyone's serving, you know, and you go, that's awesome. But we have to multiply that out. To really do what we're called to do, to reach and positively influence our community world, we need everyone serving in this place. Wherever you are, whatever you're called to, do it with all your heart, give all to it, because that's what being a Christian, a follower of Christ, is all about. Okay? Didn't mean to say all that, but anyway, I must be pretty pumped up by it, hey? It's, it's, it's not just turning up on a Sunday, Sunday morning or not turning up on a Sunday morning. That's not the choice for the Christian. It's where am I going to serve? Where am I going to be a part of? What am I going to sow into? How am I going to build the kingdom of God? You know, look, someone like Karina has been here. I don't even know how often she's been here, but she's been cleaning up all our back rooms. She's been going through all the stuff in our back rooms that everyone just takes it for granted. If you just throw it in there, someone cleans it up. It's amazing. It's amazing. You just chuck all this stuff in there. It's like at home with the kids and parents, you know. The kids all throw all the stuff here and you go, wow, it's all gone again. Oh, I can do it again. It takes time. So was that? <laughs> yeah, your wife. Yeah, the, the fairy. Um, so we do have our half of the house next week, so come prepared for that. I've already said that, I think. Uh, Yes, that'll do. Um, this morning will be a little different. I, I, I've started this series, Don't Diss Me. I think I've called it that. I'm not really sure. But uh, it's worth starting with diss. And, uh, uh, and basically, we, we've done discouragement. We've done disobedience. We talked about Jonah last week. And, and I called it distrustful, even though I was talking about disobedience. And uh, that was just to, to, that was for my wife, really. And, uh, and this morning I'm going to be, Are You Distressed? Are you distressed? It's another diss, but I'm going to continue on through into the book of Jonah because I thought, I can't just leave there. I rushed last week a little bit. And I just want to read through the scriptures really this morning. That's really what I want to do. And it's not the usual way we preach. We do more topical type stuff. But but this is really just following the book of Jonah. So if you've got your Bibles, open them up at Jonah because we're going to to read it all of, well, not all this morning, but we're going to read through the the part of Jonah, Jonah 2. And, uh, um, and let me set it up so that we've got, if you weren't here last week and you don't know that story, which would probably be a little unlikely you've never heard about Jonah in the whale. But, uh, you know, in Jonah 1, it talks, the first verse talks about the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, and God said to him, go to the great city of Nineveh, preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. You see, Nineveh was the city, uh, capital of 
Assyria. And basically, it was a wicked, wicked culture. It was, it, it was a place that you really wouldn't want to be involved with, you know. When they, when they took over a city or, a, or a, a country, they just would torture and kill and innocent people and, and just horrific, just really terrorists. And, uh, and so God said to Jonah, go east, young man. He said, no, I'm going west. And he jumped on a boat and he sailed. They said the journey he was going to Tarshish was going to take about a year to sail and 4,000 kilometers away. But God basically said, no, nah, that's too important. I'm not going to let you run. And he says that to many of us too. And a big storm hit the boat and uh, the Jonah was on and it started to break apart. And the captain came to Jonah and said, well, aren't you uh, a follower of God? Can't you pray? If you're a prophet, you should pray in the name of your God and, and maybe he'll, he'll stop. But, but Jonah was a prophet on the run. He was a prayerless prophet. And he, he had stopped praying, much like many people that call themselves followers of Christ do themselves. They claim to believe in God, yet virtually have no prayer life whatsoever. Why? Because they don't really want to hear what God's got to say. I've already got it worked out, God. I don't need to pray because I've already got it worked out. I already know where I'm going. I know what I'm doing. I know how I'm doing it. Well, God may have something to do to say about that. He may send a storm. <laughs> Jonah the prophet wasn't in the mood to pray though. Have you ever been there? I know I have. I know I have. The storm rages on. Jonah says to the sailors, I think this could be my fault. They said, no, no, no problems. It'll be fine. We'll throw everything else overboard. It'll be fine. It'll work itself out. Anyway, eventually they go, maybe it is your fault, and they throw him overboard. The the storm stops immediately. And the very last verse of Jonah 1 says this, And the Lord provided a great fish that swallowed Jonah, where he had spent three days and three nights in the belly of a fish. And this is where we pick up the story for this week. Are you distressed? And this is the prayer of Jonah. This is like, I've heard it described as the psalm of Jonah. And and, and as we read this, I want you to recognize this is a snapshot of what Jonah was praying. (laughs) I had this thought. Sometimes people think, well, Jonah's prayer. So he's he's been in the whale, you know, and he's got his his torch, and he's got his pen and his journal, and he's writing this prayer down, you know, and he goes, whale, stop moving, you know, I can't can't write, and I can't see, and I can't hold this. It doesn't work like that. He's written this after the event, obviously. You know, in there I'd say he's just going, help, help, let me out. This stinks in here. I want to get out. Anyway, the runaway prophet who neglected God really... Uh, wrote this prayer in hindsight as he got to understand what he was going through. He wrote this beautiful portion of Scripture. He prayed it and, and while well, he was inside the belly of the fish. It says this in, in Jonah 2.1. From the inside of the fish, Jonah, what? What did he do? He finally prayed. He prayed to the Lord his God. In other words, God said, I've got your attention, finally. For some of us right now, God's got your attention. Your prayer life is about to re-emerge. Maybe you've been a little like Joni. You've you've been running and you haven't been praying because you don't want to hear what God's got to say. But something is going on in your life. You know you have to press into God. You know that your prayer life has to get more than what it's been in the past. And it says this, in my distress, in my distress, if you've got your Bible there, underline it, whatever you want to do, in my distress, I called on the Lord and what did the Lord do? What did the Lord do? 
I called on the Lord and he answered me. He answered. When I called on the Lord, he answered me. In my distress, so often in our lives, we have to wait till we get to a time of distress before we'll actually enter into a prayer. That's not the way God wants it. But he'll, he'll sometimes position us to, for that to happen. And that's why I've called this message, Are You Distressed? You know, the, the word, the Hebrew word for distress has this inference. It's a, a feminine word and it, and it means pressure. And so some commentators have actually said this is uh, the, the distress of childbirth, that pressure of childbirth, that, that, that pain of childbirth. And, and uh, it's an interesting word. You see, we can be running from God and, and realize that God is pursuing us. He, he, he's, he wants us to rely on him. And when we call out to him, we realize that he answers us. You see, why wouldn't we want to do that? The God of all the universe, the creator of all the universe, the, the sustainer of all things, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, that spoke existence into being through just his words. He spoke existence into being. Why wouldn't we want to call on him? Why wouldn't we? You know, the one who's all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, that God, we, you and me, can call on him for the things we're going through. And he will answer us. He will answer us. Jonah called on him. You see, Jonah said, forget you, God. I'm out of here. I'm gone. I'm going the other way. But God still had his mercy for him and he answered him, even though he disobeyed him. You see, I think we miss that sometimes. So don't let the, the significance of that miss you that here this morning. We can call on God and he'll answer. You see, the scripture tells us in Hebrews we can come boldly in the throne room of God. Boldly. We can ask those things. In a time of need, we can ask our God. We can call on him and he will answer our prayers. Hmm. You see, in my distress, so I looked at what distress meant. I've got some synonyms of distress. Anguish, suffering, pain, agony, ache, affliction, torment, torture. And so inside the belly of this fish, Jonah's in real distress. In my distress, in my agony, in my torment, in my torture, I called on God and he answered me. And we can do exactly the same thing. The next part of this verse goes on. From the depths of the grave, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You see that word grave actually is Sheol, which means grave which means grave, but it means also realm of the dead or hell. And, and as far as he was concerned, he was going through hell. And you can imagine that would be the case. He's been swallowed by this fish and, and, and it's, it's like hell. It stinks and it's dark and it's horrible. And I wouldn't imagine what else is in there. And I called on God and he answered me. At the point that he was the furthest from God, where he's running from God, in hell... He could call on God, turn towards God, call on God, and he answered him. I love that thought. You see, some of you here this morning might be going through hell. And it might be on the inside. On the outside, you look fine. look like everything's going fine. But on the inside, I'm a mess. I'm distressed. I'm anxious. I'm hurting. I'm afraid. Something's not right. I don't know what's going on. 
everything seems okay on the outside because I'm smiling and happy, but on the inside I'm hurting and I'm in pain. And from the depths of your inward Sheol, you can call on God and he will answer you. When we've got no place to turn, we can call on God and he'll answer us. From the deepest, darkest place, when we need him the most, the most, when we deserve it the least, (laughs) he's there for us, for you and for me. Every day. Hmm. You see, God can do anything like that in a miracle. But he wants us to go through a process sometimes. He wants us to, to, to go through some stuff to learn what he wants to, to, to show us. And, uh, you know, there could have been any stage that God could have just gone, well, okay, Joni, you're out of there now. Choop, gone. Back into there. But he didn't. You see, it, there's some phases here that, that I recognize. God says, go, and Jonah says, no, nah, no chance. Going to get, Jonah gets on the ship, so phase one, storm comes, doesn't work, doesn't make any difference. Phase two, God sends the captain. Yeah, you need to pray, Jonah. No, it didn't, didn't work. Phase three, the savers have mercy on him. Don't throw him overboard. Phase four, when they go to throw him overboard, God sends a fish. Phase five, the fish gets a tummy ache and throws him up on shore. You see, there's some stuff all, all through this miracle, we can see different places where God is moving in this process. And a lot of the times we say, God, I want you to do this, whatever it is, whatever yours is, fill in the blank there for yourself. God, I want you to do this, and God doesn't do that. And we get freaked out, and we give up on God completely on the way through. And, and, and what we do is we overlook the little things that God is doing on the way through. Those little coincidences, those little things that he's preparing, that we're breaking through, that we're doing the next season on the way through. And we have to be watchful for what God's doing in our lives. You see, he may have you on a 10-phase healing process. You go, oh my goodness, you know, I'm only in phase three and and, uh, I want phase 10. And he says, yeah, but look back at phase one and two, what you've come through. Look what I've done in your life. Look, look what's happened. Look, look what God has done in your process. Yeah, but I want 10. He said, yeah, but you've got to go through the others before you can learn what I want to show you in the process. He leads us. He teaches us. He directs us. He guides us. He heals us, corrects us, convicts us, and leads us into the victory that he's got for us. He won't forget you, but he needs you to embrace every part of the journey and actually celebrate it as you're going through. And even though we want that out there, guess what? He's got you here and you need to be focused and see what God has done for you to get you to where you are so he can take you where he wants you to go. This is going to speak to some of you this morning, I hope. You know, for some of you, you're in the middle of what you'd call your personal hell. You know, I know that. And from the depths of your she-hole, the depths of your, in your heart, from that, God can save you. He can, he can direct you. He can, he can impart to you. You see, in verses 3, 4, and 5, and 6, let's, let's read through those. I may not read it all, but we'll read some of it. Oh, God, you hurled me into the deep. Well, actually, the sailors did, but Jonah was wise, and he said God did it, so uh, he recognized God. You hurled me in the deep, into the very harvest seas, and the current swirled me about me. All your waves and breakers, they wept over me, swept over me. Well, being banished from your sight, yet I'll look again towards your temple. 
The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. The seaweed wrapped around my head. Okay, he's in big trouble, right? Verse 6, to the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath me barred me in forever. In other words, there's no physical hope for me in this situation. The game's over. I'm done. Guess what it says next? But you, God. But you, God. You see, never underestimate but God in your life. No matter what you're going through right now, no matter how bad it might seem, how good it might seem, but God. But God. God can do anything. Your life is out of control, but God. You know, your marriage might seem in trouble, but God. He changed your heart. He changed your marriage, but God. The doctor said there's no chance. Just go home, prepare for whatever's next, but God intercepted. You know, you'll never amount to anything, but God. You see, in the depths of our Sheol, our hell, but God, when we recognize him in our circumstances, he can intercept and do anything in that process. Verse 7, when my life was ebbing away, what do you do? I remembered you, O Lord, and my prayer, it rose to your holy temple. Some of you today need to remember what the good things God has done for you. I know you're focused on the negative stuff, on the tough stuff, on the circumstances. You need to focus on the good things God has done for you. Remember what God has done. Remember what, yeah, well, you say, well, I haven't forgot him. You know, and in life sometimes when things are going well, we say, yeah, thank you, God, that's awesome. You just sit over there, God, and I'll just do my life the way I want to do it. Just stay there. Just don't, don't intercept. Don't leave me alone. I'm going to do what I need to do. And we live our lives like that. And then we wonder why we get lost and we go in the wrong direction. And we have to remember God every day of our life. That's why prayer is so important. That's why a time with God is so important. When my life was ebbing away, he says, I remembered God. In this next verse, he steps into his, his prophetic voice, I think. So it's from his darkest point in his life. He's warning those readers of his time and he's warning us as well. He's saying, but basically, whatever you do, don't do what I do, did. Whatever you do, don't run from God. Whatever you do, don't neglect him and don't disobey him. Verse 8 says this. Those who cling to worthless idols, what do they do? They forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Whoa. Whoa. Circle that word grace. In, in the Hebrew, it means loving kindness. It means very literally the pursuing love of God. Those who cling to worthless idols of this world that do not matter, they are unable to receive the grace of God. Wow. I was trying to think, what, what were, were Jonah's idols? It was probably one of prejudice. He was prejudiced against the, the Ninevites. He didn't want them to get the grace of God. He didn't want them to get saved. He didn't want them to be healed. He wanted God to destroy them. That was probably the first thing. The second one, we could argue, was himself. Him, himself. I heard what you wanted, God, but I don't care. I don't want to do that. I know better. I'm going to do what I want to do. How many of us live our lives like that? I don't want to know what your word says, God. I don't want to know what your Holy Spirit's saying to me, God. I don't want to give that space to, to hear or see what you're doing. I, I just want to do what I want to do. But God, you don't understand that if, if I did that, you don't know the circumstances that that would... Well, 
Maybe I've got to put you in a storm. Maybe I've got to put you in the, the belly of the fish for you to turn to me, to pray, to remember God, to see what he's done for you. Because the, get the seriousness of this scripture. Those who cling to worthless idols, they forfeit the grace that he's got for us, that could be theirs. Wow, wow. And I don't know what your idol might be. Maybe your idol is your self-image, you know. Um, could be a relationship that you're holding on to that you know you shouldn't be holding on to that makes you feel good, but you just know it's not God-honoring. Maybe it's um, money, materialism, possessions, things. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's, it's the, the thrill of success. Maybe it's the, the driving, the striving, the discontent, and, and, and it just it consumes you. And those who cling to worthless idols, they cannot, they forfeit the grace of God, the pursuing love of God. See, that's dumb. That's a dumb trade if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ. It's a dumb thing to do. We're holding on those idols in life. We're missing out on the grace of God, the favor of God, the pursuing love of God. Verse 9, but I, with a song of thanksgiving. See, this is a key for me. This is a prayer of thanksgiving, a song of gratitude. See, God inhabits the praises of his people. And, and, and so often the power of God is most evident when we are thankful when we have gratitude in our hearts, when there's thanksgiving, a prayer of thanksgiving, a song of thanksgiving, of praise, of worship, of honor. See, when we do that, I'm telling you, the grace of God is there with us. His favor is there with us. You see, in terms of honor, Jesus couldn't even do miracles when, when he wasn't honored in his hometown. You go, wow. Jesus. Yeah, when there was cynicism, skepticism, sarcasm, negativity. We see honoring God is recognizing that in our own strength, we are like Jonah in the belly of the fish. We can do nothing without him. But with a song of thanksgiving, with praise, with worship, with gratitude, with prayer, with honor, we can access the grace of God by focusing on the goodness of God. Not focusing on the fact we're in the belly of a fish, but going, I remember you, God. You are a good God. And we let go of those idols and we step into grace. In the middle of this next verse, it says this, What I vowed, I will make good. What did he vow? We don't know. Probably what he vowed was that, God, if you tell me to speak to people, I'll speak. If you tell me to go, I'll go. Whatever that might look like, but I'll make it good, whatever that is. And there's some, some things for you here this morning. Maybe you have to make good in your life. Maybe you've been ignoring them. Maybe you've been putting them on the back burner. Maybe you've been thinking that they don't apply to you. Well, I might be saying to you this morning, or God might be saying to you this morning, you know in your heart, you know in your mind that God has put something in you that you need to address. You need to make good that thing. As Jonah says, I'll make it good, you need to make it good. Whatever It might be a phone call to someone that you, you know you need to talk to. You need to forgive or you need to address. You need to, to, to get that resentment out of you. And, and verse 9, I love this because it basically says, he could have said anything here, right? 
like this situation. But he says, salvation comes from the Lord. See, salvation only comes from the Lord. Not by works, not by doing good things, not by, doing, not, by not doing bad things. None of that comes from the Lord. It's a gift of God through Jesus Christ. Salvation comes from the Lord. You know, it's, it's what we've been talking about in communion. You know, it's that God gave his son Jesus to, to die on the, a death, a horrible death on that cross, to be raised again after three days through the blood you know, of what he did that saves us. It's amazing. And, and what is our reasonable response to that? Of course, it is, here's my life, God. Take it, please. Salvation comes from the Lord. And in verse 10, And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Sort of disgusting, really, isn't it, when you think about it? But it's been spewed out with the, all the vomit from the fish. But, uh, <laughs> but it's very powerful. And it dri- drives home this thought. I hope you, you, you got this this morning, that uh, whether you're on top of the world or whether you're in the depths of hell, when we call on the Lord, he will answer. And if we hold on to those things in our lives that we think the world tells us to hold on to, that those idols that he's called in this scripture, we hold on those with all our might. I'm telling you, we miss the grace of God, the gift of God, the favor of God, the love, pursuing love of our God. And no one wants to do that. I'm telling you, no one wants to do that. Look, I, I, I've got just enough time to play a video that I had planned to play. Um, and it, it's called Amazing Grace. So can we have a look at that and I'll finish it off.
Father, we do thank you for your amazing grace. God, we thank you that uh, we can hear your word, we can do as of the word, God, we can take it to heart. And God, that we have our hearts and our ears open to all that you want to say to us, to do in us, and to do through us, God. And here this morning, God, we lay down any of those things that we talked about, those idols, those things that are holding us back from you, that we are missing your grace, God. We want to operate in your grace, in the full center of your grace, God, in the middle of your grace, God. And here this morning, God, we, 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 we choose to, to do what you ask, you're doing by asking us to do it and, and follow through on that. So we let go of those things we need to let go to step into the things you want us to step into. And Father, I'd like to pray just for one other group of people here this morning. Maybe you don't know Jesus or you've never made a decision to follow Jesus in a public place. Maybe you have and somehow you've got off track. Somehow you've been doing a journey and running the opposite direction. Well, here this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to, uh, to set that right, to step back into relationship with the, the one that loves us, that gave it all for us. And uh, I won't embarrass you. I won't make you come out of the front or anything like that. I just want you in your heart to recognize you need Jesus here this morning. But if that's you here this morning, just while eyes are closed and heads are bowed, I just want you simply just to put your hand straight in the air and say, Greg, that's me. That's me. I want to I want to make a choice to follow Jesus right now. I want to step back into the right relationship with him. King of kings, Lord of lords, that's me. Put your hand up right now. Right now. Right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you, Lord. Salvation comes from you, Lord. Salvation comes from you, God. And hear the song. Pray for salvation in all our lives, I guess. That we all want to be close to you. We want to be more like you. We want to be outworking our, 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 our Christianity in a way that is real and, and makes a difference in our world. And that we can be more like you every step of the way. God, we thank you for your opportunity to, to read your word, to know your word, to, to, to step into your word, to praise you, to worship you, God. And we give you all honor and glory. great word. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylife Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.